0: Listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. (laughs) And now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Hi, everyone. Welcome back in. It is an honor to have back on the show again, making his second appearance with us, a magnificent gentleman that is just back from the rock and roll fantasy camp. And for those of you who do not know what that is, we had a gentleman on our show. His name was David Fishoff. David was a fascinating gentleman. I cannot wait again to speak to him and that'll be coming up in the future. He was a wonderful gentleman, and he created, as Joe Vitale, our guest today knows, he created this rock and roll fantasy camp. Joe Vitale, welcome to the show. Explain to the people how you, as an instructor at that camp, view that movement, if you will, that that situation in life that david fishoff created for people who never thought they would be able to meet personalities celebrities in the business what do you tell people what it is and what your feelings are on the rock and roll fantasy camp
1: well you know it uh if you go way back uh in the 50s and 60s there was i, I and i imagine it's still going on i'm not sure but uh, baseball fantasy camp where you could, um, go to camp and you get a, you get a uniform and you get, you know, uh, Sandy Koufax might pitch to you or, so you know, <laughs> oh, no. yeah. I mean, uh, what a, what an awesome experience that would be if you were a young baseball player to go to camp. Well, I think David Fishoff looked at that and, um, he modeled after that, it, it, and, and said well why can't we do that with rock and roll what a brilliant idea so he um he created this camp and um quite a few years ago i've done 14 of them already
0: wow 14
1: uh, yeah they yeah, i started i think in 2012. And I've done 14, and um, they're just awesome. And and young people, old people, that, that, there's no age, uh, you know, um, uh, requirement or, or anything. It, or there's no skill requirement. There's nothing. If you want to be a rock and roller, or, and you're just starting out, or you're you're advanced, and you want to hang out with some big guys like this time we had Joe Perry and Tico Torres and and Vernon Reed from Living Color. Uh, what a ball we had! And these guys and guys and girls that come to these camps they they not only get to play with all of us and jam and learn but they learn so much and there's um you know there's q a there's there's you hang out time you just you mingle you you know it's like Four days of, of nonstop. I mean, we do about 10, 12 hours a day. Well, that's
0: a long day. Long yeah, and, day. And, and... You mentioned Joe Perry, for those that, that, that it hasn't rung a bell in their head yet. Joe Perry, lead guitarist, Aerosmith, right there next to Steven Tyler on stage.
1: Yeah, from the beginning.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, they were friends long before Aerosmith was uh, popular. In fact, I attended a concert at at the arena where the Beatles they brought in early in when the Beatles came to America they put them at a place called Cincinnati Gardens at one point and Aerosmith was there with the Johnny Van Zant band warming them up I don't know Do you if you know
1: remember what year that was
0: oh I don't know but I can tell you this that arena held 20 some thousand people and they barely had 500 in there Aerosmith was not known at that time.
1: Yeah, because because uh, Joe Walsh and Barnstorm, our band, uh, we did a ton of shows in the '70s with the Aerosmith, and nobody, not a lot of people heard of them, and not a lot of people heard of us. And uh, yeah, we did a bunch of shows together with them. And uh, so I've known Joe Perry for you know almost fifty years. <laughs>
0: wow. Well, and, yeah, and- I wanted to let the people know that Johnny Van Zant prior to singing the lead for Skinner, which he has for years since his older brother, Ronnie, had passed away, as we all know. Johnny later took his brother's place. He sang and still does sing for Leonard Skinner. Prior to that, of course, his younger brother, Donnie, was singing with 38 Special. And then Johnny had what was called the Johnny Van Zant Band. David Geffen had signed them to his Geffen uh, Records label. And he had a single out at that time. It was called Only the Strong Survive Rock uh, and Roll. I don't know yeah. if you recall that. Yep, I do. And there we go. That's the time period I'm talking about, Joe and... Johnny was there. I interviewed him at the time. I met his dad. His dad was Lacey, L-A-C-Y, I think, or L-A-C. I think it was L-A-C-Y or L-A-C-E-Y. Lacey Van Zandt. His dad was with him. Extremely nice gentleman who uh, I met, and we were shocked. Lacey Van Zant and I—we could not believe that in this Cincinnati Gardens Arena, Joe, there was there was a, a twenty thousand seater. Joe, if they put five hundred in there, I probably am exaggerating. I think it might have been less than that. But this is how rock and roll is built. It is, what what is it? It's promotion by the record company, and it's promotion (laughs) by word of mouth, and it's good songs that get played and then picked up and bought, and you work your way up. Will you dispute that?
1: No, you work your butt off. You just, you know, every town's a, a new adventure and a new mountain to climb, and you... You try to build fans as you tour. If You put a record out, then you play those new songs live. And hopefully they like them enough that the next day they go. They used to go to their local record store, which no longer exists. And they used to go and um, buy the albums and you just keep promoting, promoting, promoting and um, touring. I mean, in the 70s, we were playing. 250 shows a year and that was a normal tour and today tours if if they're like 50 60 shows that's that's a you know called a large tour <laughs> we, <nothing laughs> like, well, yeah. we used to do 250 dates a year we were we were gone for eight months you know and um that's how you did it back then of course we were in our twenties. Yes, we
0: were, right. We were, able
1: to, we were able to do that many shows, but uh, we really—that's how you build an act back then. You make a record, and you hit the road, and you don't come home until you know you've you've done decent uh, amount of shows and and sell a decent amount of records, and um, and the record companies you know promoted you, and and they uh, they actually and you know instigated the whole thing. They would you know you guys going to go out? You're going to go out? You know? And uh, but um, and then you know once you find a plateau where you build a huge fan base and you're selling quite a few records, you could probably lay back a little bit on the number of dates a year, but there was nothing better than that back then. You worked your head, your, your tail off, and, and it really, really helped with building your act and selling records, and, and it's a little different today. You know, a lot of these bands today, they, they I don't even think a lot of bands have it in them to do 250 shows no. a
0: year. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, and, and now there was one exception to the rule that that just flat outright refused to tour. I don't know if you remember this, but Steely Dan said, "The hell with it, we're not we're not going anywhere," and their record sold anyway.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's a rarity. that's a freak, that's a yeah, freak
0: it is. rarity. Yes. Yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, but um, they finally went out, and they were awesome lives. Oh, right.
0: Well, right now, those records aren't selling like what they used to. And in the last 10, 20 years, guess what they've been doing, Joe?
1: Who would have guessed?
0: Uh-huh, really? That's right. You could go to a nightclub setting in New York and see them. A yes. Donald Fagan yes. and Walter yes. Becker, of course, he passed away. But Donald Fagan is still out there putting the band together and, and keeping them out. And it's called making a living, I believe, yes. uh, Joe.
1: It's called a job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go. There you, you go.
1: Rick, what's amazing is, uh, I, I'd, I'd have to do a little bit more research, but I think, uh, I may be wrong, but I think Aerosmith is the only band left in America, maybe the world, uh, that has all its original members still touring.
0: Now, I've never thought about that, but you know, I remember... They said that it was their drummer, Joey Kramer, who I'm sure you probably know. Yep. He got disenfranchised with the business or something. And remember, he was working for an insurance company, if you can remember Uh, back that far.
1: Yeah, but the the original band Aerosmith was the same lineup as today.
0: I... I never thought about that, but you know what? I'm not going to dispute it. I think I think that sounds accurate to me because I can't remember who was in it all the years ago that I was there at the Cincinnati Gardens with Johnny Van Zant's band. Yeah,
1: no, those were the guys, same guys. Same yeah, name.
0: I know Tyler was there. I know that Perry was there. Uh, yeah, I Jerry, didn't.
1: Jerry Palmer, Bradford.
0: Yes. Uh...
1: They're all. there are all original members. I can't remember anybody at like like bands like you know the Beach Boys. They've got guys that passed. Chicago had guys that passed. Um, Eagles, and Glenn Frey passed. I mean, on and on and on. There's so many bands that uh, I mean, even the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. They've had members pass. Yes. Um, yes. So many bands, uh, but I I I can't think of another band. Touring, uh, you know, maybe U2, but they're not—they're not a young band like Aeros. You know, I mean, an old band, sorry, like Aerosmith. U2 came around, I think, in the in the '80s or something. So, uh, and there's those are original guys. But, but I'm talking about bands from 50 years ago in the '70s. I think they're the only band that has the original members. I may be wrong, and I—and if I am, I hope somebody corrects me because I've done a little research, and and seems like they're the only ones
0: right and if anybody wants to write in the whole world knows my email Rick Flynn presents at gmail.com send yep. me the email ladies and gentlemen if you have information on that put it in there and we'll reannounce it and visit it on another show
1: and I'm talking about bands that are together that still like each other. (laughs)
0: Oh, yes. Well, you know, I think it was Rolling Stone magazine uh, years ago put together a list of all the people from start to finish that had played in that old band. I know you know them, Joe. They were called Savoy Brown. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They said that at one point it was Savoy Brown, the British band, that had more it was like 50 people that when they named uh, was it more than 50
1: yeah it was like a revolving door at an old department store
0: yeah oh yeah yes savoy brown they called the band with the most members and oh i forget it was years ago joe years ago but we used to play savoy brown in my old band we played a red hot number i still love it to this day and i'll bet you you probably know it it was called um tell mama
1: oh yes tell mama
0: there you go it was uh it was a good band but i don't know what happened to savoy brown i think they threw in the towel joe
1: yeah Probably
0: so. So David Fishoff, our dear buddy, he is the individual, before we get back to the camp, uh, which we're going to discuss, but he was the one who created this concept for Ringo that Ringo ought to go out, since he had not toured since the Beatles, he ought to go out as the, the leader, if you will, the maestro of the, a a group consisting of very talented people, and he would be called Ringo Starr and the All-Star Band. And he coined that. That was his idea. And then he managed Ringo for 15 years, which was another good idea. And the reason Cincinnatians know about Mr. Fishoff, has nothing to do with Ringo, unless, of course, they're music people. They may know from that. But you'll remember that when Mrs. Schott owned the Cincinnati Reds, Marge, she hired a guy named um, a manager, Lou Pinella. Oh, yeah. Lou Pinella was a manager of the Cincinnati Reds ball team working for Mrs. Schott. The owner, and it was Mr. Fishoff, David, <laughs> that represented and dealt with Marge Shot to bring Lou Pinella in there. Well, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, yes. He was into sports prior to music. And then he put out on the road um, the Dirty Dancing, a Broadway-type show. He had that out. And somehow it rung a bell in his head, and he flew to London, met with Ringo, and then there you go, Joe. From there, the tour, the 15 years— And now the rock and roll fantasy camp. And here is what Gene Simmons had to say about the camp. If you watch this movie, it was called Rock Camp the Movie, and it's still available. If you want to look it up, go see it. I've watched it in its entirety. I would recommend it just like I would recommend your book, Backstage Pass, Joe Vitale, written by Susie Vitale. We'll talk about that later. I've read that book. I recommend that as well. And Gene Simmons from Kiss. He stated that I, in that movie, Rock Camp, if you watched it, he said, I think the rock camp idea, rock and roll fantasy camp would be great for everybody beginning in the sixth grade, which is about 10 years old. And what do you think about that? Because those kids that are in the sixth grade that are age 10, they look at somebody, for example, like uh, Taylor uh, or Britney Spears, people like this as untouchable. (laughs) You know, in Washington, D.C., they'll have the class. And occasionally, I remember Barack used to just unannounced take a walk with a couple agents with him, and they'd go in and boom, he'd pop into the classroom and talk to the kids unannounced. What would happen to a group of 10-year-old sixth graders if um, Taylor Swift walked into the classroom and gave them a lecture for an hour? What do you think that would do to their morale?
1: Well, it, it would—they'd it, they, be blown away, first of all. And yes. Then, and then they, I, depending on what the the celebrity would say, I would hope that it would inspire them, and uh, not be just a show off celebrity and just tell kids how much they've accomplished. I think um, most of them are pretty cool about that. I think most celebrities will try to get kids interested in something and to and to go with it and be be involved with their dreams and um that kind of thing that's what happens at rock camp we we had a, a and there's a uh i would rather see a bunch of 10 year old guitar players come to rock and roll fantasy camp because i'd like to see young guitar players any musician young any musician to uh, get an education in you know old school before they jump into the all the new artists and everything get a get a real foundation of where rock and roll began and that's kind of what we teach
0: right but now not everything going on today is what i would call music (laughs) joe no
1: that's what i'm saying
0: (laughs) yeah i i really would not call a good part of it music at all
1: yeah that's why if you're 10 years old at least you should have to experience uh old school rock and roll because it's simple and it's fun and uh and it's supposed to be and um we had a 10, 10 12 year old guitar player a few camps back who was he's a little kid he's he was awesome he was just shredding on that guitar he was so good and to see him he was at a camp where our our one of our celebrities was sammy hagar and for him to be, you know, rocking out with Sammy Hagar singing, he's like 12 years old and uh, (laughs) he he was on, he was on cloud nine, you know, and uh, it was so awesome to watch and it was just great for young kids to get an education in, at least in the, the foundations of rock and roll where it all began. It was simple and fun and they need to know that and it doesn't have to be uh so serious at times uh, your commitment and your dream should be serious but the actual uh, performing and, and and playing music it should be fun and um uh that camp does do that it's really wonderful for any age any age
0: and all ages are showing up
1: yes and we had a guy that was about 55 that was just an amazing guitar player he was so good it was frightening and we asked him we said Uh, have you ever thought about playing professional man you're really kicking butt he goes i'm a surgeon
0: (laughs) oh my god
1: so we said oh you're you're cool you're good
0: (laughs) oh i'll be darned
1: he 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 dragged that guitar out of his closet and he was an amazing player but you know that's not his gig his gig is he's a surgeon and god bless him for that but he, he had to get that guitar out and come to camp because he had to He had to just visit that world for a minute, and he did, and he was awesome. And then he went back home and uh, to the operating room, you know?
0: That's amazing. That is incredible. Rock and roll fantasy camp. Ladies and gentlemen, it is something that you pay a fee to attend. And when you get there, you are, how is it, Joe? You're at a hotel for what? Is it a weekend or a whole week? Or now, how long?
1: Everybody, Everybody arrives on, it's always the same days. You arrive on Wednesday. The camp is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And you go home on Monday. uh uh, saturday and sunday night are the live performances of all the camper bands that we put together and you get to play live in front of a crowd and, uh, we played in front of a thousand people the other night and, uh, these people have never played in front of that many people. <laughs> uh, and, and it was just, they were thrilled. And, uh, and, and, uh, we help in each band. Uh, I'm one of the counselors. And so we teach them and then we play along with them and then we get them ready to play with the celebrities like, like, you know, Joe Perry and Tico Torres and, uh, and whoever, and, uh, And it's just, uh, I I don't think there's ever been one bad review from a camper or a comment uh, uh, that was negative. Everyone, they said it's changed their life, and they can't wait to come back.
0: Now, work with me on this. Let's say, I don't know, well, let me just put it to you in my own personal life if I could. I cannot be home on a lot of nights without looking at the television and the better half out there. She likes this home. Hallmark channel. I I don't know if you're familiar with this. I am. (laughs) And they play a show on there. Oh my. It's called the Waltons. Are you familiar with that?
1: Yes, I am.
0: (laughs) Well, she watches John Boy and the Waltons. Good, clean, all-American entertainment. Uh, God bless the Hallmark channel. God, they've provided so many hours of enjoyment for her. Thank you, On behalf of myself, anyway. But John Boy, when he was growing up, he always wanted to be a writer, as you know, an author. What would be wrong? Joe, in your estimation, as a counselor at the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, what would be wrong with having a guy like a young John boy that wants to be a writer go off to a fantasy camp and in walks a major author that's going to be with him for a week? Or whatever, however many days, and they discuss writing and his techniques. And there's more than one author in case they have a, a large enough crowd to accommodate it. Uh, it could be other things other than music, correct?
1: Yeah. Funny you saying that. You sound like you already know about this, but we have in two and a half weeks on uh, from April, uh, I'm looking at my calendar, uh, from April 9th to April 13th, um, we have a, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, April 7th through the 10th or something like that, April 7th through 10th, we have a rock and roll fantasy camp, writer's camp, and uh, in Nashville, of all cities. Some of our writer guests are celebrities. The the, the infamous. Uh, we have Desmond Child, who's written. So many monster hits, actually, a bunch for uh, Joan Jett and Aerosmith. He wrote uh Dude Looks Like a Lady. I mean, he's a huge writer. We've got Steve Cropper, uh, Booker
0: T, X. and the MGs.
1: Yeah, and uh, we've got uh, all these writers coming in, these celebrities, and it's a writer's camp. This is not a musician's camp. That doesn't mean musicians that are writers can't come. It's a, strictly a writer's camp. We've gotten huge results. I'm going to be a counselor on that uh we've got a ton of people coming because people that that aren't uh touring or club musicians or whatever they're just songwriters this is a perfect camp for them because uh, they're going to be surrounded by other writers 50 or 60 of them there's going to be some huge names uh for writers uh, that have written giant hits and they're going to be there to help all these people with their song their their original songs and um Uh, all I can say is when I started out in, in the seventies and I was writing a lot, I wish I had a camp to go to that, to help me, you know, when I first began writing, I really needed a little guidance, you know? And, um, that's, that's evident. If you look at my, if you listen to my early songs, I needed some guidance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But now you scored, you scored with Rocky mountain way. And the Rocky Mountain Way is better yeah. than the way we had with Joe Walsh and Barnstorm.
1: Yeah. And then, so this camp in Nashville coming up is good. It's the first time, and uh, first camp and of a writer's camp. And um, it's uh, already just exploding. It's really doing well. And um, we're really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's actually just like a, a writer's creative workshop for four days. And it's going to be great we're going to we're going to turn out some hits i guarantee it
0: boy that's wonderful so the the campers are going to show up they're going to uh check in and stay at the hotel and then the first class of the session would be held on a wednesday right and it'll be will it be 12 hours
1: uh first day is about 10 hours then we do about at least 10 a day and then What's really cool is on the weekend, all these writers are going to get a chance to perform their original songs in front of a live audience.
0: And you mentioned that you do not need to be a musician. So, therefore, right? What, what are you going to do to a non-musician? Let them play cowbell or work so, them in on maracas or what are you going to do?
1: So We're going to have musicians there that can accommodate them. And if you're just a lyricist, you don't have to be a musician. If you're just a lyricist, we're going to have enough players there that will uh, will come up with some music for them, and so they can perform their song. There's nothing we can't accommodate uh, on a camp like that. You, you don't have to be a musician at all, as long as you're a songwriter and and uh, interested in making your songs better.
0: Very, very well.
1: That's another David Fishoff idea. Is b- brilliant
0: excellent Joe Vitale ladies and gentlemen is with us he is what a writer I believe for Rolling Stone years ago called the fifth eagle and that's because when they put Don Henley the drummer and singer For the Eagles out front, that left a vacancy in the back on the drums, and you toured with the Eagles for how many years?
1: I I did two years uh, on the long run tour with them, and uh, it was a wonderful two years.
0: Absolutely, but that's not all you did. As a young kid, just out of your local band called The Childs, you were picked up, I know, by Ted Nugent.
1: Right. That's right.
0: How did the nudes treat you?
1: He was great. You know, he's a, he's, he's outspoken. Yeah. Crazy rocker, but you know what? He's got a big heart and he's a very nice person. And he, um, uh, he was very, very, very nice with me. And I, I was with him for only a two, three months. And then I started up with Joe and, he gave us his. He gave me his blessing and said, "You you go work with Joe and have a great time. You guys are going to be great together with Joe Walsh." And um, you know, he it wasn't like, "How dare you quit me?" He, he wasn't uh, anything like. It. He uh, was really sweet about it, and uh, uh, that really meant something to me that he was so nice and and genuine about it.
0: Right now, I've seen pictures of it and I've seen video of it on uh, the television. But apparently in the back of his home, he has a guitar-shaped swimming pool. Have you, have you witnessed that or, or seen no, that in person?
1: No, that's, a, that's probably his new place. When I played with him, he was living up in Jackson, Mississippi, which is just west of Ann Arbor, Mich- uh, Michigan. No, not Not Mississippi, sorry. Jackson, Michigan. Which was uh, just west of Ann Arbor, Michigan, and he lived in a like almost uh, in a farmhouse out in the country, and uh, uh, no swimming pools.
0: <laughs> right, right, not at that time. All right, yes, Joe, you have a book. It's called Backstage Pass. It's written by Susie Vitale, and she's the one that did all the work on this hardbound book. I have read it from start to finish. I want everybody that would like to really get in depth about that book to go back to Rick Flynn presents with my guest, Joe Vitale, uh, a year or so ago when you were on prior and we really got into that book deeply. It is a great book. It is the story of your life, like stories from the road and in the studio with Crosby Stills and Nash, who you also played for, Neil Young, who you played for, Dan Fogelberg, Peter Frampton, um, the Eagles, of course, Nugent, Joe Walsh, and many, many more. And that is the the book backstage pass. If they want to get that book, what are they gonna do? To obtain it, Mr. Vitale. Uh,
1: the best way to do it is, and the best deal, and we sign them, uh, sign copies. Uh, the best deal is on my website, which is Joe on drums.com
0: Right. Okay. Ringo. He's had enough years ago, several years ago. He said, I know you know this, uh, even though we've not discussed it. I'm not signing anything else. I've had it. I'm done. What are your comments? what? What are your comments on that?
1: I, I really, I appreciate that. And I'll tell you why. I, I know Ringo. I'm a friend of Ringo. Right. And, you know, I totally get it. I would never, I've known him a long time. I would have never asked him for an, here's what, here's what happens. And a lot of them are like, this It's not just Ringo. Here's what happens is. You know, it's one thing to ask a celebrity for an autograph, and they, and they graciously give it to you, and wow, you got their autograph. A lot of people sell stuff on eBay.
0: Yeah, they do. They do. For,
1: for, listen, you got a Ringo Starr autograph, a real one, on a on something. It's worth a lot of money.
0: And right. They were having him sell those little plastic guards for a guitar pick guard.
1: Pick guards, yes.
0: And they would put the Ringo Star signed pick guard, which when you see Ringo in person, the guitar is not with you. You only right. hand him the pick guard only, you see. That's right. That's and right. he'll sign it. Then they put it on the actual guitar and put it up people oh it's ringo's guitar and they sell it for it's a crap guitar which they sell for 3000 and
1: some dollars yeah that so after you hear about that if i you know i'm i'm nowhere near or ever will be anywhere near my signature isn't worth what ringo's is but i'll tell you what if i if i was at that point and i would sign things just because of their fans you know and you want to do nice things for your fans you know, and then, then you see that they're selling because of your signature, I would completely stop signing anything forever. So I totally agree with Ringo and I get it. Mm -hmm. And, and and I'm glad he did it because that's not cool. You know, I have some, I've got quite a few autographs from, from big timers, right? I cherish those. They're on the wall. I don't sell them, you know, Yeah. and they're going to go to my son when I, when I'm gone. And, um, and so, you know, I, I understand guys like that. McCartney doesn't do that either. Right,
0: he recently announced McCartney recently in the last year, year and a half, something, uh he said he's done
1: too. Yeah, just just all you gotta do is watch that show Pawn Stars and so many
0: things
1: uh one of those signatures and then they bring the expert in and they yeah. go, yeah, that's Ringo's, that's a real autograph and it's like $10,000 for this stupid thing, right? Oh my. And it's like, yeah, I, and so he got pissed off and I don't blame him.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're shrinking down in the Beatles department on selling anything, I guess well, because the, um, know, and, the value is sky and, high.
1: And anybody who has a Ringo Starr autograph, a real one, of course, now, you know, the value has tripled but if if you still have it you're not one of those people that sold it you know you you have you cherish it you know and you put it on your wall and it's like really cool to have a a Beatles signature you know but a lot of that was going on and they were selling them and and if you if you give your autograph out just all the time uh you know but the thing is about Beatles autographs they don't lessen in value. They appreciate. They don't depreciate. They appreciate, you know, so he stopped all that, all, all gone.
0: Right. Now, I saw a video up on YouTube, and Nugent was being asked for some autographs on some albums, I believe. And the way the video went, he told the guys, give me $20, and I'll sign all three of those, or four of the, however many albums he had.
1: That's gross.
0: I don't think that I am in agreement with Mr. Nugent wanting a cash payment for it. Uh, That's That's my opinion. What do you think?
1: Here's what I think. You know, um, because of the lack of or complete gone, uh, they're gone record stores, right? A lot of apps now, they sell CDs at the merch desk at concerts, right? Which is a great thing. Because that's the only way we can sell our CDs anymore, other than online. Anyway, all the artists I know, the big timers, Stephen Stills, Joe Walsh, whoever, they even Dan Fogelberg did it a while before he passed. Uh, they sell their CDs out on the merch desk with T-shirts and hats and all that other junk, right? And then they also offer you signed CDs, right, that you can buy at the merch desk. To me, that's, that's pretty cool because you get, you pay a little bit more money, but you get, you get the CD and you get it. It's signed by the artist. So, but to just, Hey, I'll sign this paper or oh, here's 20 bucks. Now I, I that's kind of tacky.
0: Right now I'm in agreement with you. I, I would disagree with Ted Nugent. Now you can hear Nugent on the video that I watched. He would say directly to the, the gentleman there that were wanting him to sign the three or four records that they brought in. He said, right. "Now nah, you guys are going to put it up for sale on eBay. You're going to make blah, blah, blah off of it. That's why give me $20, I'll sign it. I want my cutter or, or whatever. I'm not going to put That's words in dust. his mouth. He Cut. wanted a cash payment because he felt those guys were going to sell it.
1: It's a. A shame that it's gotten to that point because years ago when you go into old restaurants like in New York or Chicago, uh, you know, some of the old, old been there for years restaurants and you see all these photos, pictures on the wall, uh, framed pictures on the wall with autographs. Frank Sinatra was in here. You know, it's really cool. And the establishment that had those, they they put them up because that's really cool that Frank Sinatra was in their restaurant and signed a photo for them. They didn't sell it. They didn't have eBay back then. And the thing is, they they those, those things were dear to them. They really wanted to hold on to those because it was really cool to have that stuff. And now it's just it's collectors, you know. Uh, guys come show up backstage at our shows and, uh, and somebody comes to our dressing room and says, Hey, there's somebody here that wants wants you to sign an album. I said, all right, all right, give me the album. I'll sign it. And then they come back with like 30 albums.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like, I'm going to sign one album. That's it. And yes. It's like, those are collectors. And those guys, then they, they try to go to shows and the, 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 what their goal is. As long as all the members on that record are still living, they try to get all the signatures of the guys that made that record. Then they're worth a lot of money and then they sell them.
0: Yeah. Well, well, what about the the argument? What about the argument they're going to give you that says, well, the artists can make a living. Why can't I?
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? We got bills too, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: uh that's an old uh, joke to us it's like what come on come up with something better than that we we worked really hard we paid a lot of dues and we finally get a break and then you want free stuff from us or something you know that's crazy
0: mm-hmm. Well, now I've seen artists signed autographs that are up on the eBay and $9 and 99 cents. I'm serious. And you've got to consider that the party had to pay eBay to allow the ad to go on. That was a first fee. Number two, you've got to accept PayPal in case the payer, the buyer wants to use a credit card. You've got to pay PayPal. And tax, and tax. Yeah, right now they're taking out tax, and by the time you take a nine dollar and ninety nine cent autograph, and come down after all the fees, what do you got left, Joe? Five, five bucks. Well,
1: that that reminds me of a funny story. I I, I won't mention names because I don't want to embarrass him, but
0: right, <laughs> okay.
1: Somebody was arguing one night, that said, I'm not going to sign anything. All they do is sell it on eBay. And another member of the band said, have you looked on eBay at what your stuff goes for? <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he showed him one of the albums that he had signed went for $2.45. Oh, well, so, yeah,
0: that, that's true. And, and you know, so, yeah. after fees to make four fifty or five dollars, what is the point? You can't, yeah. you can't make a living on that, Joe. <laughs>
1: And today, it costs you more damn gas money just to get to the post office to mail it.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, I I felt better vibes from Tom Petty, may he rest in peace, when he says, I'm busting my rear end to keep these ticket prices on my concerts low. And then right. they show up at the venue and some idiots out there charging them $30 To park a car.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) What do you do there, you know? You can't do a thing, can you? Because they own that property.
1: I've got a whole lot of posters from all the years of touring. And what's frightening is when you look at... I'm looking at one right now on the wall that says Eagles 1979 long-run tour. And uh, general admission was $12. And... In 1979, the Eagles tickets were the highest-priced tickets on uh, out there at $12 a ticket. Now, you know, really, really good Eagles seats are probably $1,200.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Uh, but... Um, you know, uh, all these posters says, they say a lot. I went to see the Beatles in 1965 for $3 and 50 cents. At right,
0: I saw Elton John for that. Yeah. yeah. With Nigel and the late D Murray.
1: But back then they didn't charge for parking. It was part of the, the, the venue. You had a big arena and they had a parking lot.
0: Right. And yes. Uh, yes.
1: And same with sports arenas. You go to the baseball game. Hell it. It's costing twenty and thirty bucks to park your car and then you gotta walk a half a mile to the stadium. And um so I think it's it's sad, but people always try to find a way to make money and, and that that there's nothing wrong with that, but gouging is not right.
0: Right. So, yeah. There so you that, go. It
1: happens everything. It's not just the music. It's you go to a go to a uh a Cleveland game or a Cincinnati Reds game or and, you know, you're going to, it's a, it's a lot of money by the time you get back home that day, you spend a lot of money.
0: That's for sure. Yeah. That's you know? in fact, we here in Cincinnati, the joke is they're going to create some new shirts like the ones we already have that says Cincinnati reds on the front. And then you take the shirt into your local t-shirt printer and on the bottom, they're going to put what's left of them. <laughs> they've sold the team out yeah they're all new kids you know they're saying the owner needs to sell because he sold every darn player uh yep. out to make you know to save money i guess you could say yeah and castellanos our outfielder he went for a hundred million Five years at a hundred million or something like this. Yeah, uh, uh, some to the Phillies or somebody. Somebody bought him, and that was just one guy. Yeah, yeah. They've divested themselves of all this money, and oh, I don't know. They they say he should sell the team. You know, you get to the point where you're almost going to get another big red machine ball club, and now they don't want to pay, and they sell them out. So if they ever get that close again to the the World Series, it's going to have to be with a whole new team, Joe.
1: Well, I hear these salaries and, you know, uh, uh, every time you hear about these salaries, my wife goes, you know, you should have played baseball, maybe, because I did grow up and went to high school with Thurman Munson and uh, we we used to play catch and play baseball. He was my neighbor. And uh, uh, and she said, maybe you should have stayed with baseball. <laughs> But, you know, then again, I would have only had a career till what, maybe 40 years right. old? Right, yes, and, yes. And then, you know, and then what am I going to do? And right. I'm going to probably spend the rest of my life spending all the money I made.
0: <laughs> right. Well, you mentioned Susie Vitale. I've investigated it, Joe. I think your marriage is going to work out for you. You've been married now, what, is it one or two years? How long? Yeah,
1: next year makes 50 <laughs>
0: wow! Well, you don't find that in rock and roll. I don't
1: know. I I, I don't know anybody. I knew a couple of people, but uh, that were married that long. But uh, uh, yeah, next year's our, our golden.
0: Wow, that is phenomenal! And you have a son, Joe Vitali Jr. He's a yeah. drummer as well, he's and
1: a he's got a great band, and he uh, he's coming along
0: right now. What was this? I was watching. Oh, a month or so ago, it was you and he, both of you on separate sets of drums playing together.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you saw that because that was awesome. And yes, uh, we, uh, J- my son, Joe Jr. Plays with, um, uh, with Johnny Iris and the cruisers and, uh, they were doing a show up at the, uh, at the North park casino up there. Uh, and, um, uh. And he, they had asked me to come up and, and double drum with him on a couple of songs. Like, you know, Love is Like a Rock, some of their big hits. Yes. And that's what we did. And, and apparently that, that thing, it, within a week, we had 10,000 views on that video. And uh, I don't know what it's up to now, but it only a week went by and it was 10,000 views. And it was so much fun to play with my son. And uh, although we've been in bands together and we've done a lot of stuff together, that was the very first time we ever double drummed together. And I'm so glad they caught it on video.
0: Right. Well, you know, on 50,000 watt FM radio here, I played a record. It was in our rotation for a while. Uh, Donnie Iris and it was called Aaliyah.
1: Yes, they do that song.
0: Right. Now, is that Donnie Iris related to your son's band?
1: No, that is Donnie. That's who I'm talking about.
0: Oh, okay. I'm sorry. He's changed the name. It's no, Or no, well, were, were they always called that? Because the record label, it just said Donnie Iris.
1: Yeah, it was the, the live band. It's, it, it, that's who my son plays with is Donnie Iris. and. And uh, it, it used to be Donnie Iris and the Cruisers, but that oh, was a long time ago. So okay. I think he's by Donnie Iris now.
0: Right. Okay. That's the same Donnie Iris I played on the air.
1: Absolutely.
0: He had a record. Leah.
1: And he had another big hit, hit, Love is Like a Rock.
0: Yes, I remember that. I remember that. I'll be darned. And that's your son now out on the road with Donnie Iris. Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the book is called Backstage Pass. It's written by Susan Vitale, the 50-year wife of my guest today, Joe Vitale. If you want to delve into that book, we did a whole show on it. Just scroll back on any podcast carrier that carries our 70 some plus episodes we have so far and you're going to see the first appearance back there with Joe Vitali listen to that because we really went into detail about the book backstage pass i wanted to talk to joe today everybody because he just got back from Rock Camp, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp. That's a David Fishoff concept, invention, slash business, whatever you want to call it, slash dream. And before we get out of here, Joe, what is your assessment having been there? I've not been there. I've interviewed David, but I've never physically showed up at the camp. You were there. You lived there. You worked there. What do you see out of your own eyes and ears when you're there at the rock and roll fantasy camp?
1: I'll tell you what I see. I see smiles. I see excitement. I see the people running around carrying their guitars to the next room. Everybody's just on fire. They're just so having the time of their life. And um, um, this is not like any school or anything you could imagine like that. This is like it is classroom. It is studying, and it is we we teach and all that. But it's playing music with all kinds of different people. And uh, what's really cool is the first two nights we have these things called. There's like twelve jam rooms and what it is is each room has a theme like one room was beatles one room was stones one room was heavy metal one room was classic rock whatever and whatever you feel like you fit in you go into that room and there's like five or six seven people and they're jamming and everybody takes a turn and you play and this goes on for like four hours and um uh this this is so fun and it's educational at the same time and um and what's really really cool about camp is this ever since the camp has started all these people that uh, uh it's a big it, it's become a big family all these people that go to camps they exchange uh phone numbers emails facebook this and that whatever and they all st- everybody stays in touch with each other i've been in touch with People from my first camp back in 2012. And um, uh, it's really a, create a, a family. It's a family. And you really feel like you're part of something. And for us as the teachers, the counselors, we get to see campers return. I had a camper in my band last week that was his his eighth camp. and
0: Right. Um, they come back. They come oh, back.
1: They come back a lot. and um, Male you know, like
0: and that. female. There are women that, that come to it.
1: Yep, women, males, because we, I did a camp a couple of years ago before COVID, and, and one of the stars was Ann Wilson from Heart.
0: From Heart. And,
1: and we that brought in a whole lot of girls that were guitar players and singers. And um, uh, now, apparently, I look at the rock camp schedule and uh, assume they're going to have an all-female camp. That won't include any of the guys here, us. But what it's going to be is I think Melissa Etheridge is one of the celebrities. They've got all these... Uh, stars that are, uh, you know, the uh, girls, and and so the camp's going to be nothing but girls. And um, like one of our administrators and one of our managers for the camp is a girl named Britt Lightning, and Britt Lightning is a lead guitar player from the group Vixen, and um, she is now part of the the administration of Rock Camp. She works for them now, but she also tours with Vixen. And um, she's great. And so they're going to have an all-girl camp coming up. They have heavy metal camps. They have classic rock camps. Jeez, it's just on and on and on. We had a camp with uh, the the group Yes, which was really interesting. So it's just, uh, it's. I think David fishoff is brilliant. I think he modeled this maybe after years ago, like the old baseball fantasy camp where, you know, you could go, you pay a little money, you go to a camp, you get a, a uniform and you get to bat with some big time star pitcher pitching to you how cool is that you know and not um,
0: something's gonna happen every day
1: no and you get to hang with those people and and you know it, it's it's getting into a a, a building and you're kind of like a fly on the wall you get to play music with joe perry from Aerosmith. are you kidding how exciting <laughs> they didn't have anything like that when, when i was really young and getting started out I would have borrowed, and stealed the ticket to that, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Boy, I'll tell you, it's, it's a great idea that he had. It has become successful. They're getting campers. The idea, like Gene Simmons said, I'd like to see it with sixth graders. That would be yeah. a good place to start. Do you think it could be at a later date, Joe, expanded to include the kids that young age, 10?
1: It could, but, you know, I don't know that that's necessary, Rick. You know why? Because it's included now. If you're if you're 10 years old, I really don't know what the age uh, thing is. I don't know what the requirements for age is on this, but we have had really young kids. We had a kid, he's so short, I think the guitar was taller than him. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but uh, I don't think there's any restrictions on age now, so I don't know that uh, i i don't say that's a, a a bad i think it's a pretty cool idea but uh right now i think uh, at any age you're able to go
0: have you seen the youtube video you probably have where the foo fighters are up there and they're in between songs and dave decides to bring he heard somebody must have told him from the radio station Look, there's a kid out there that knows how to shred, and he comes up to about your waistline. He was in grade school, yeah. And the kid comes up and starts playing on one of David's guitars. I love it. The
1: Metallica,
0: Yeah. You know, wow. "Back to Never Neverland." You know that song? Yeah. Uh, he starts doing that. The kid is—he's half as tall as David is, and then at the end of it. Dave gives him the turquoise guitar they allowed him to play. The boy was there with his mother, and he says, don't let me see that guitar on eBay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) See what we were talking about.
0: There you go. That's exactly what he told him. But yeah, there are kids in grade school that that's got it together. I'm telling you.
1: Yeah. You know, and and I, that pleases me so much when I see young kids playing a guitar and they're playing Rolling Stones music or Beatles or whoever. And it just thrills me because that's what they should be doing. And and nothing against new music today, but I don't know that new music today has a great deal of depth to some does of course. But a lot of it doesn't, and and it's good to have that real nice foundation of uh, old school rock and roll. Then you can move on and do whatever style you want. If you want to try, you know, mess around with Taylor Swift type music, whatever, go for it. You know, but I just think that it it's like in it it's like grade school when you learn, you know, the ABCs and 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 one plus one is two. I I really think. Uh, you should go back to old school rock and roll at least get an education of it and then move on and do what you want to do but that's what's really cool about I love seeing young kids playing Johnny B good on the guitar you know
0: right now on I saw that you had some sheet music written out for Aerosmith songs right written on staff paper you know the old musical staff paper the notes that Did Perry give you that or is that your writing or what was that about?
1: Uh, Anytime I'm given songs to play, especially with someone like Joe Perry, I write my own charts. Now, I studied, I'm educated in in school, in music, and I know how to, you know, to read music and all that. But when you're writing drum chart, uh, sometimes, and we teach this, that you need to write it how you'll understand it best. Where you can take a look at it and you know exactly what to do. Because sometimes traditional writing and music, you see the notes and all that. But you don't always get an explanation of what style to play during that period of time. Is it real energetic? Is it this and that and the other? And one of the guys that saw my sheet music, there's a song we did. And it was by The Cult. This was not with the celebrity. This was our thing. We did a song by The Cult called fire woman and later in the song there's this drum break and it reminded me of keith moon and and who and where where he used to go crazy right and so on my sheet music uh during that period i just wrote in big letters moon Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah i I knew exactly what i meant because I was I don't I didn't know what I was going to play because, you know, it's all made up as you play. And but all I needed to see was that word and I knew what to do. And 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 some guys were looking at that and they laughed at that. One of the drummers uh, that were a counselor asked if I would sign that thing and give it to him. I said, of course, here. And so um, because we teach that about writing charts. Writing charts, you know, it's not like we're, this is rock and roll. We're not writing classical music. That's note for note with all the volume signs and signatures and crescendos and all this sort of stuff. We're, this is rock and roll. You need to write it out how you can understand it. And we teach that. And um, those actually make the best charts where uh, and, and and if I were to read somebody else's chart, I may have a few questions about it, but I bet you I pretty much know what they're saying.
0: Very much so, boy. I'll tell you what, Joe. The hour is gone, and that's what happens when I get around you. We're not even done, and we could go another hour. I guarantee it with no problem. But I just well want I'll have
1: you. to come back. I have to come back on your show then.
0: Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it indeed. And Mister Fishoff is uh he had a great time on the show and he said oh, yeah. you you know what kid you i'm gonna help you promote this and and i oh please please do <laughs> you know and i uh, i don't think i'm gonna give him any of those plastic um guitar pick uh, guards for the guitars you know <laughs> he doesn't have to no, sign a damn thing Nah,
1: no, i wouldn't do that
0: <laughs> i'll tell yeah. you what joe vitali ladies and gentlemen played with the Eagles. That's why a writer years ago coined him as the fifth Eagle when he was the drummer and toured for the Eagles. He's played with Crosby, Stills and Nash. He's played with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. He's played with Neil Young, Dan Fogelberg, Frampton, Nugent, Joe Walsh from the Barnstorm days and many, many more the foreword to his book, which is called Backstage Pass, written by his wife, Susie Vitale, the forward was written by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. All three of them contributed to that. And Joe, what does your wife say to you before we get out of here about a marriage that lasts 50 years? from a husband in the rock and roll business. You just don't find that.
1: Well, you know, we, we live in Ohio and we don't, um, we don't have a similar lifestyle to a lot of, uh, big city people. And, um, uh, I, I don't know. I think we, 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 we have a nice family feeling here and, um,
0: grounded, uh,
1: grounded and you know the, I, what else do i want out of life I, I got everything i need in life i don't need to explore new you know i need to explore new musical things right <laughs> but,
0: you're but, not um, you're not living the hollywood lifestyle
1: i'm not and, and 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 if somebody does that's fine but that's it's not for me and it's, it really worked out because um you know it, it's it's sad when you see a, a Couple that been married twenty years or whatever, ten years, whatever amount of years, and they break up, and then they go off and do other, t- and then you know, and sometimes they break up again, and they have a third marriage. And man, I don't have time for <laughs> that.
0: Right? No, no, I agree. I agree with that statement. Oh, yeah, I believe it was the comedian, if you remember Jerry Lewis. I think he got divorced when after thirty-five years of marriage. Yeah, I don't sad. know how you can do that.
1: I I don't either. And, and, you know, it's, listen, there's no perfect marriage, but there's always a way to work anything out. And, uh, but if it gets to a point where it's completely destroyed, then I guess you got to move on but in most cases it's uh, it's probably manageable to work something you know to work it out and and and, and let's try to work this thing out cuz this is too important to stay together you know it's just way important to stay together you know
0: so, right and don't anyway, believe we, the old we, adage it's money that's our problem in this marriage it's money yeah, money it's money not, well if necessary. yeah you know what money. we were talking about the other day joe and you correct me my friend if i'm wrong if marriage is about money. Tell me why Melinda and Bill Gates have just gotten a divorce. Do you believe that was about money, Joe?
1: Yeah. Also, Bezos. Didn't he get a divorce?
0: He could, I don't know. I'm losing track, Joe. It has nothing to do with money. That's BS.
1: It does not. You're right.
0: Absolutely. A Joe Vitale, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they do that?
1: Uh, I'm on Facebook. They can write to me.
0: Joe Vitale, V is in Victor, I-T-A-L-E. Correct. Joe Vitale, they can find you on Facebook. And they can get the, the uh, book that is authored by Susie Vitale. It's called Backstage Pass, basically the story of your life in rock and roll. I've read it. I loved it. They can get that at the website Joe Vitale, on drums.com right? Correct. As we depart out of here and people say, uh, what should I, f- I'm thinking about this rock camp. I'm thinking about uh, maybe saving up and maybe I'll go and. Uh, play guitar with Joe Perry from Aerosmith someday. If they're thinking about it, Joe, what is your advice?
1: Check it out. Definitely go to the site, Rock, you know, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, and and check it out and and see if you if that's for you. Because I'll tell you what, it's a life changing experience. We've gotten thousands and thousands of reviews. And everyone is a common thread that it's a life changing experience for these people. And, uh, it's worth the price of admission. And it, it, it's just, it, you'll leave, uh, so happy and you've learned so much and it's very inspiring. I had one guy who was never going to play again and now he's got a band again and everything. He, he got back into it. It's inspired him so much. And, um, we even we had a marriage we saved <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, how so did wife... rock and roll fantasy camp save yeah, a marriage
1: we, the, yeah the wife was so upset with it because the husband was so so depressed right. about it I, I you know and then uh, when he he came to rock camp and he went home and he when he picked up his guitar again and started playing again he got in a band and everything he was the happiest guy in the world saved their marriage
0: <laughs> Boy, that is incredible. You know, how about the adage I always heard growing up? They put their pants on like you do, one leg at a time. Do you agree with that?
1: I agree. We're about the same age, I bet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Joe Vitale, thank you for your time. You're a wonderful rock and roller. And listen, the next time I see you, I've got these uh these pick guards I'd like for you to sign. <laughs> I got about right. tw- uh, 30 of them. Could right, you accommodate 20
1: me? 20 bucks a piece.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Ted. I appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Rick Flynn. It's been fun, but I've got to run. On behalf of myself and the fifth eagle, Joe Vitale, author of Backstage Pass, written by Susie Vitale. An excellent book. Check him out on Facebook. That's how you get a hold of him. Joe, V is in Victor, I-T-A-L-E, website, Joe Vitale on Drum. Com. Say good night, Joe. Thank you, Rick. Good night, everybody, and
1: talk to you soon.
0: Good night, everyone.
1: The proceeding was a Rick
0: Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.